0: For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
1: Welcome to Seek Reality with your host, Roberta Grimes author and attorney roberta grimes will explore and illustrate how she after an extraordinary experience of light and childhood has discovered channels of communication to the afterlife and how these implications have an effect on our everyday lives please welcome the host of seek reality roberta grimes
2: welcome welcome everyone this of course is seek reality i'm roberta grimes and we're going to have a lot of fun today the thing that makes me most confident That the afterlife is altogether real is the simple fact that the study of it has all the aspects of a genuine science. Newly discovered facts fit together in unexpected ways with previously discovered facts. And then you find some wrinkle in traditional science or something else comes up and that fits in elsewhere. Little things that you didn't even think were going to be important turn out to be important. It is a real science. Bit by bit. You assemble a whole new reality in which everything fits. It's extraordinary how well it fits. By now, researchers are used to the fact that this area of research is a whole new science, and we know that each new detail that if it's real, is going to fit in somewhere. It begins to be old hat to us, but it shouldn't be. The wonder and the privilege of being part of making discoveries that even a century from now people will still be building on And eventually people will look back on with Frank wonder that it took us until the 21st century to figure all this out. Well, doing all of that is beyond joyous. Wow, now we know how people like Sir Isaac Newton and Galileo Galilei must have felt. How could humankind have been so clueless for so long? Personally, I've always assumed that eventually I was going to write a book about all these amazing discoveries. I even had a title. I was going to call it The Fun of Figuring It Out. But then I read David Burfoot's amazing book, Finding the Elephant, in which he talks about figuring it out so well that I consider my book to have already been written and written much better than I could have done. David was our guest some months back, but we hardly began to really talk about this book and I want you to know more of what he knows because it's so important for your understanding of everything else. So David Burfoot is back with us again today all the way from Australia. Welcome, David. I'm thrilled that you're here.
3: Thanks, Roberta. I'm happy to be here. Thanks very much.
2: Because some people may not have heard your earlier podcast, tell us briefly again why this area interests you and how you got into it. Just briefly.
3: Okay, yeah. Well. I mean, I was working all around the world in in, in different jobs, in mostly social projects. um, But also, um, you know, I had an interest in physics and I studied a lot in those areas while I was at university as well as sociology. And I had this idea that, um, well, we could create a documentary where we bring all these people together from all sorts of disciplines and and really knock out the big big questions of life and... uh, so I started to do some research to see if it's possible to see if all these disciplines can come together and after about a couple of years of researching I realized that it was possible but then suddenly I, I actually had a book and, um, and I thought, I, people got to know about this stuff. They don't see how all this stuff fits together. Yes. So yeah, yeah. So, so then I just um, then I went, went ahead with the book. And uh, then all of a sudden it was there. It, well, not all of a sudden, it took about five years, but it all came together in the end. And um, yeah, the, um, the, uh, the metaphor of the, the six blind men and the elephant was a good was a one to bring together all the different ways of looking at the world to show how it can actually be complementary.
2: Well, you've actually been much kinder to the various aspects than I've been. I I also have used finding the elephant, uh, the, the the six blind men and the elephant repeatedly to help people understand what what the, doing this research is like. And for people who don't know the story, just briefly, I call it six blindfolded men. Doesn't matter. They're they're trying to appreciate an elephant. And, you know, one of them says, oh, it's like a sail and he's holding on to the ear. And another one says, oh, it's more like a hose. He's got the trunk. Maybe somebody else says, oh, it's really more like a spear. He's touching the you know touching the the, the um the um uh, antler, the antler. i want to say a tusk i almost said antler someone said it's a wall well of course he's just touching the the um side of the elephant someone said no it's a tree trunk because he's got a, one of the legs and somebody else said it's a rope well he's got the tail i think that's even more than six so you see the problem if we're only looking in one way and that's feeling one specific area with our hands or or seeing one specific area and blocking out the rest we don't know what we're dealing with here and that's the problem we have in trying to understand reality and what david has done and what i've tried what i've done as well only i've only done it for myself what he's done for you as a gift to you is to go through this and put it together and he's done a beautiful job an excellent, excellent job. I'm asking him today. Um, we'll talk a little bit more bef- about some some words he's going to be using, and before we actually get into it, but get into it. But I've been asked him today to talk specifically about two major areas. One is quantum mechanics and all its aspects and how it fits in, and the other is consciousness. Both of those are problems that scientists have a lot of trouble dealing with. But there's information to come from those studying other parts of this greater reality elephant there's information that would help them if only they were interested now what we're going to do is take a really quick break and when we're going to come back we'll have a lot more a lot more time to talk with david burfoot about his wonderful extraordinary book finding the elephant stick with us we'll be right back
4: by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com.
5: What is truth? Historically, we viewed things as either being true or false. Now as we enter a more expansive era, we find the question is not, is it true, but rather, how true is it? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of the Science of Magic Radio a syndicated, internationally broadcast radio program dedicated to uncovering this ever-expanding truth. Join me daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview today's leading experts from the fields of science and magic to uncover the hidden truth between the lines drawn in the sand. What we unearth in our discussions is not only amazing, but totally unprecedented. You won't want to miss a single episode. In service to our listeners, past episodes can always be found on our website,
6: with our compliments at thescienceofmagic.net.
2: Welcome back to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes. We're talking with David Burfoot, who is a an Australian researcher who has written a wonderful book about how it all fits together. Those of us who are doing research in the greater reality, which includes, of course, the study of death in the afterlife, but a whole lot else, those of us who are doing this research are in a position where we have to, nobody takes us seriously, so we've got to pull information from all these sources, and it comes together and it makes a great new science. Now. We don't have enough time for him to tell you everything that's in his book. I urge you to read Finding the Elephant. You can find it on Amazon, and uh, you'll, it's, it's going to allow you to know some things which you could never find out otherwise. But before we really get into it, I'd like David just to tell us some definitions of, of his, um, the way he writes his book is very easy to read, but, but you need to know some definitions. So let's talk about those. What are mega phenomena, David?
3: Ah, many phenomena are things that um, you can't see through one discipline alone, but you need to bring together conventional disciplines to see it in its full form, if you like. Um, one example is, um, you know, during the during the uh, 18th century, um, they had we had lots of phenomena of meteorites, and during that time, um, science was in a was in a, it's a special time where it was um, where it was in Enlightenment, where it was um, casting doubt on anything that didn't seem rational. And so meteorites were just uh, thought of by the scientific community as superstition. It wasn't until uh, the study of meteorites and the study of uh, meteorology, which is ironically the study of weather, came together, and they realized that um, meteorites didn't actually come from the sky, they came from space. And so they had to bring two disciplines together to understand the phenomenon. Um, right. When they did, um, all the superstition went away, and it was become you know a, a bit of a, more of a science. But before they before they knew about these two areas of science and brought them together, meteorites were just superstition.
2: Yeah, and, and this is especially important when we're dealing with two different fields altogether. Talk about what some of the areas are. We've got science, and there's a lot going on in science, which we use for our own purposes because because sure. there are areas that the scientists just don't understand. But what else? We have, where else have you looked for information to construct what you know?
3: So I went I went through biology, of course, um, physics, um, sociology. Uh, as well as religion, um, afterlife research. Uh, but the things that uh, you want to talk about today, say quantum physics, um, quantum physics is the study of very minute particles. And um, it, it basically, it, it looks at how life in the universe exists at a very microscopic level. And there's, there's particular bits of research about that that's casting new lights about how reality is constructed Um, now one of the things that people might want to look up one day (laughs) is a is a very strangely named test called um, the delayed choice Er uh, quantum eraser and basically it's a test by two famous researchers wheeler and kim which shows that consciousness plays a key role in collapsing energy in uh, and potentialities into matter so Basically, the matter that we experience, the hard things in our in our life that we touch and feel, really, it's it's there because partly because of our ability to perceive it. It's it's quite um, it's quite a, it's quite an amazing kind of thing to to be able to talk about. But basically, what it happens is that the way in which energy manifests into solid things relies on our perception. Um, and our subjective experience of it, which is a game changer for a lot of people.
2: Right, that's um, right.
3: Um, and so it's, it's something that's not intuitive. It's something that is not something that we are used to knowing about or conceptualizing, but it's it's a basic core of our reality. The second thing I think that's really interesting for people to know, and it's something that Einstein and our, one of our Australian uh, Nobel Prize winners in physics here, Brian Smith, um, uh, uh, researches, is, is basically that, that space and time are manufactured and malleable. They're even virtual. So they originate from another dimension. They're not, you know, they, they don't, they're not the, um, the absolutes of the universe. There's even mathematics around black holes that support that the, the, the space-time, really, is a hologram. Now, space and time, when I talk about space and time reality... I'm talking about you know the, the everyday reality we experience, where something can only be in one place at one time. Right. But the more we find out about um, space and what makes up space-time reality, we more than we find out that it's actually a, a virtual reality. It's not. It's a. It's a projection from another reality. It's not actually yeah. the real thing that we experience.
2: Right. Right. It's. It's all fascinating. Um I think it's important for people to understand what this was what a revelation this was to afterlife researchers because we were coming to know a lot from the people who are already there about what it's like in the afterlife and it made no sense to us. I mean, you can go from one place to another and even if it's across the entire universe and it takes no time at all. Um, the way people communicated was all telepathic. people could, could create things just by thinking them into existence. and They would shimmer into existence. I mean, none of this made sense to us until we started to get good quantum physics for dummies books in the early part of this century. And suddenly we realized what we were dealing with were quantum phenomena. It was, it was all... I mean, don't you agree that that was an extraordinary um, a gift to us? Quantum mechanics suddenly made things make sense that never had made sense before.
3: Yeah, and it it was, and uh, yes, and and basically it it shows that um, these things that you're speaking of, these capacities, these these experience of of life um, in the afterlife, are probably a closer approximation to what absolute um, existence is, rather than what we experience it here in our everyday life. But you see the signs in all sorts of research the, that, that shows that um, what they experienced in the afterlife is possible here, but to a lesser degree, but it is still showing signs that it's possible. Yes. I mean, th- th- we've got, you know, things like um, um, entanglement, which shows that things can be in two places at the same time. Yes. Um, and, yeah, and that was, uh, that was you know, just kind of put forward by Einstein and his, and his colleagues some, some years ago um and it's been proven ever since by different tests and different experiments that it's actually
2: it happens true. yes right yeah now and here's another one subspace what's your definition for subspace
3: so subspace is is what i term uh, is a is a term that is comes from science fiction but i find it useful because people kind of get it because they understand you know science fiction programs like Star Trek and so forth so basically it's that other dimension where space and time don't have the same don't serve as the same barriers as they do here this is the 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 dimension where um, it could be for people who it could be the afterlife it could be heaven it could be uh, uh, the dream time for the australian aborigines it's that level of existence which is beyond our space time reality that that yes. um, that, you know we that area that we exist, which is, which is not restricted by space- time.
2: and and what, I love what the way you put it. Um, you, you said that that uh, in, in your book at one point you said, uh, this is the place where science and spirituality peacefully coexist. I think that's how you put it, which is what we uh, need yeah. because they're battling one another. and and actually, People doing afterlife research and in other aspects of spirituality and people doing what they call hard science are really trying to understand the same reality. There's no earthly reason that we need to assume only one is right because, as you point out, a lot of what we're trying to understand needs insights from both sides. And I thought that was really profound. All right, one more term, triangulation. Triangulation.
3: Okay, so triangulation is the kind of thing that you do. It comes from um, navigation where you look at three points and you well, you look at um, trying to find out where you are by examining a number of points of view. So uh, triangulation in this book is basically saying, okay, if we bring all the different disciplines together, what are the commonalities with them? What are they all kind of pointing to? uh what are the what are the um the bits of truth that we can extract from the, all the different perspectives so it's like finding the elephant if you like in the, in the metaphor yes. of the six black men the elephant it's like finding it, that little spot where they all seem to agree on
2: yeah that's i th- this is what this book is doing it's taking all these things and it talks about them in much more detail than i would have i that's one of the great things about this book you don't have to have a level of understanding of these fields in order to get to where he's trying to go because he gives you a short course in so many things in just simple, simple language. But but the beauty of it is that you can see, oh yeah, I do see how that fits, how it's useful to understand quantum mechanics, how this other aspect of science is giving us information and how it fits with what the dead are telling us. It's just such an adventure. That's what, this, I, I get drunk on it sometimes, the thrill of finding new things that fit. It doesn't happen as often now But when you do this work, the best part is finding something new that fits the tapestry. You found another piece that makes the puzzle come real. And we have enough pieces now that it is possible to come have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. I have to tell you about a a little wrinkle, though, which, uh, I frankly, I think you, you make it much more understandable than most do, David. But when we come to Earth, we have... We aren't even sure, maybe 10% of our mind's accessible to us. We strip down to a very simplified version of our great eternal minds, which are, of course, are part of the mind that continuously manifests this universe. So it's hard to understand a lot of this stuff in a way that is real it's sort of like your, your dog trying to figure out what you're doing when you're getting ready for work and why you, why you come and go. I mean, it, we just don't have a frame of reference even to understand it. But you you do a much better job than most, David, of making it accessible to people and, and helping them make sense on that, that sort of dog level of, what, of what's really going on. I'm, I'm appreciative of that.
3: Oh, Thank you very much, Roberta.
2: Now, what surprised you most as you were doing this research? Is there, is there any one but, thing that sticks out?
3: Well, I think the the thing that we don't get, we, we the thing that I think we should uh, understand and, and, and appreciate, and we just don't see it because we're living so fast in our everyday life, um, is, that, is just the everyday things that show how profound our life is and how different our life is um, than, oh, we, yes. than we might think. Um, one of one of the examples, one of the, the the best examples, I think, is just our ability to be aware of a clump of time at once. So, our ability just to share this moment is an absolute puzzle. Nobody in science is able to understand why this happens. There's no explanation for this. In physics, there is no explanation for why we appreciate one clump of time at a time. Um, so, and. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it, it is. It's amazing. Like There is no understanding. So consciousness, this is, this is what our consciousness, this is our, like, our link into consciousness and our link into the ultimate universe, if you like. Um, and you can see the effect of this awareness, if you like, of one moment in time in our lives. I mean, uh, it enables us to uh, do all sorts of fantastic things. It enables us to interfere with the domino effect of the Big Bang instead of everything just cascading as one reaction and against another since the Big Bang, we are able to bring our awareness into the moment and change things. We can see this in things like the placebo effect, where people who feel like they I, make I mean, themselves feel better. David, by...
2: David we're, we'll be right back. We're, this is exciting. Oh, I, I, I was too eager to listen. We'll be right back.
5: Ancient prophecies, legends, and current events indicate we're entering a high-frequency era supporting enlightenment. During expansive times, old rules fail, necessitating access to the ever-shifting currents of life for guidance. There's an ancient form of shamanism through which we can obtain the information we need. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School, with a great new provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow, is an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes designed to guide and support you and your family during these times of transition. Embrace the magic. Empower your life. Study Galactic Shamanism at FindYourPathHome.com.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. We're, we're speaking with David Burfoot, who is blowing my mind again. I just love to have someone who can can understand and talk about this stuff. Now, what we were talking about was something else, basically two things I'd like to spend the rest of our time together talking about. One of them is time, because this guarantees to blow your mind, and the other is the very fact that you have a mind to be blown. These are things that scientists cannot explain and they try to cover it up in various ways but they have no idea how time works and they have no idea how your awareness works how your consciousness works but the thing to understand about time is that it doesn't exist objectively we think of time as something that you know you've got to watch i'm looking at a timer here yeah you know it's it seems to be working well you know there's no such thing as time it's an artifact of this material reality and nothing more than that so talk a little bit about time david
3: Okay, so yeah, t- as you said, time is one of the things that are manufactured from with with space. Space comes time. Star- time is space is being happening all the time. It's one of, it's being created all the time. It's spilling into our universe, if you like, all the time from another one. And um, it's, it's basically accounting for why all the planets are moving away from us faster than the light itself. So sooner or later, um, we're gonna, it's going to become a very cold place in our universe, we are, because we won't see the planets uh, and see the stars the same way we do now because they're going to be further away. It's because uh, space is being created between us. It's not because they're going faster than the speed of light. It's because so much space is being created between us. So it's coming from somewhere else. Light, uh, time is coming from somewhere else. And we have an experience of time as going from the, the present into the future. But we know, and, and this has been supported by a lot of evidence, including you know Steven Spielberg's work, uh, not Spielberg, Steven Hawking's work, yes. uh, and Spielberg. So you're right; they both yeah. of them do, do. They basically they talk about time a lot. Um, but basically, it's it's it. We think about time going in one direction, but in actual fact, what we know now is that um, time can go like causality, things that one you know when one thing comes after another. That things that cause action, things that cause change, go back in time and forward in time. So, the the future has a controlling effect on our present, and the past isn't as set as we like to think it is. It's it's created yes. partly as a result of our observation. This is so Stephen Hawking once said, uh, "Our future, our past, like our future, is indefinite and exists only in a spectrum of possibilities." The yes. universe, according to quantum physics, has no single past or single history. We recreate history by our ob- observation rather than history creating us. Yeah, this is so, fascinating.
2: So d- can I just jump in and say, here are some things we know from studying the afterlife evidence that make this make maybe a little more sense. When, when people when past life regressions are done, so that which is not uncommon to help people f- fix phobias and things in their present lives, It then was discovered they can do future progressions and you can find something in a future life that is affecting the present. There really is not any objective time. We're told by the dead, the upper level dead, that um, in fact all our lives are happening at the same time and are influencing one another. So I have this, David, I have this thought that maybe as humankind advances We're going to make the past better and better, and there will be one day in non-time, we will discover that none of those awful things ever happened at all. We will come together as one people in perfect peace and harmony, and none of the past that's so horrendous ever will have happened.
3: What do you think? That's amazing. Well, Roberta, one of the things I don't talk about too much because um, I just don't think people are ready for it, but one of the... (laughs) One of the um, yeah, I don't think people are ready for it, and we, no, we're no. about to go into this 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 kind of new phase of understanding about what reality is. Um, I think we're going to get there, but it's going to mean that we're going to have to confront some of the um, some of the incorrect assumptions that we have, including yes. that we can't. There's nothing we can do about the past, um, and there's nothing we can that that time it just goes in one direction. Um, one one of the things that the research suggests is that um, we are able to, we, we may be able to, as a, as as a, a conscious being, um, affect out the history as much as the future, and we may be able to do that um, as a as as humanity, but also as individually. Um, and it's that kind of change in thinking that this new realm of, I guess. Is, is, is going we're going to have to get used to is that, is that is that it's going to be change on that scale and what you're talking about there is that kind of change where we can actually where people can actually get the idea that the history isn't as, as set as as they think it is um, yes and it's certainly probably as malleable as the future
2: yeah it's fascinating um, and our minds profoundly affect Reality, For example, um, uh, the lottery number on the anniversary of 9-11 was, wasn't it, nine one one? one all kinds of things. You have stories like this in your book, which are fascinating, ways in which people's minds, and even before the event, um, when oh, Princess yeah. Diana di- had died, things were happening a, that were being influenced by that event.
3: Yeah, that's a global conscious project, that's Princeton University has this project and what they do is they have random generators uh, computers all around the world and they see how the random generators computers uh, are affected by what's happening in the world and they they found out that before major events that captures everybody's attention um, these random generators stop becoming random Um, they actually can detect something's about to happen and oh. in the case of the 9-11, they started detecting them before they happened. Yes. Before they yeah. actually happened. And um, so we had, so that our consciousness was able to, um, um, without our, you know, without our awareness, uh, able to see what was about to happen. And then it recorded it, our, the, the random generators become less random, and then um, it climaxed as, as, the, uh, as the events were taking place. Um, but it started before the event started taking, took place. So, but it happens, you know, the 9-11, it happened that, you know, things like Princess Diana's death at at, um, big um, global catastrophes, they've been able to show it happens.
2: Well, what's fascinating about this, because people say, well, what what does that have to do with anything? Well, one, one thing we need to understand is when we come to Earth, Our minds are extremely powerful and much more vast than we can imagine and all part of the great eternal mind that continuously manifests this universe. But we come here the way you strip down to go to the gym. We strip down to a very limited subset of our mind. We can't access most of it from where we are. But our mind is in eternity, right? There's no time there. So our mind... Can We we think of it as our subconscious. It's really our superconscious. Our mind can know things and can let us know on a subconscious level those things are happening and can influence things on Earth when we look at the collective way in which all these things are are influencing our, our very limited Earth mind. So it all of this comes together and it makes sense. And I'll be frank, it is only in the study of what David talks about. It's only in the study of what we call the study of the greater reality that everything does make sense. There are so many things that we're confused about until we look at what science tells us. And frankly, scientists who do not have a clue about many things, specifically consciousness. They cannot tell you why it is that you're aware and they believe against all evidence, against all rationality, that somehow your temporary meat brain generates who you are talk about that david
3: well um i think probably it's a good thing to remind people that um that there are things called cognitive biases and it happens to everybody so there we've got about 100 sciences detected about 120 of them and it means that people kind of see things in the way they like to see them or they've been trained to see them uh and it's we actually is more of it, and that's why we're not seeing the elephant because everybody's so fixed on the yes. way they, they see the world and they interpret everything according to the way in which their experience, in the way in which they've been taught, um, and it actually blinds people to new evidence. It blinds people to new facts. That anything that changes their idea of the preconceived idea of the world, it it, it it can blind them to that. And this is what's happening to all the different disciplines. And actually, it's something that we should um, be careful of right now because with social media, what's happening is that Google and, and all these different uh, so, you know, um, um, software companies, they're, they're creating our social experience that's tailor-made for us. And the problem is these days, what's happening is that we're only, we're only now mixing with people who are being introduced to us who have a similar idea, yes. which is a good thing. But yes. what happens is it's, it's reducing our ability to hear from people who have different ideas. So when you go into social media, it's the, Google's algorithms are actually making sure you're coming in contact with people who have similar ideas. And that's, that's not actually helping us find the elephant. One thing no. that we need to do to counteract our biases is to listen to people with different ideas, and that comes from all sides. So we, that's something we have to be careful of. Um, um, that with this new technology that we have, we don't lose our contacts with people with different ideas. It's probably why we haven't found the elephant now, but technology has that potential of maybe reducing our ability to hear different perspectives.
2: That's a great point. Um, and I would just add that the scientists have a, another problem, which is that the in the early part of the 20th century, at the time that they were being stymied and confounded by quantum mechanics Uh, when we were getting excellent communications from people we used to think were dead, and uh, the scientists didn't want to deal with that, so they established materialism as the fundamental scientific dogma. So there are some fields where it isn't just that you have confirmation bias because all your friends think the way you do, but it's also that there are some fields of knowledge which are regulated nobody can think outside that field because if you do you don't get published or you don't get to have a, a good career and all of that right. is really in the way now uh, because science has dead-ended at this point they're not discussed it's hard to realize this unless you do a lot of reading but i i do a lot of reading in the, the scientific field and certainly popular science and uh they they're really stymied uh, one of the things they're confident of is that that eventually their artificial intelligence will become aware or become conscious, which is nonsense. That's like expecting your television is going to start generating uh, new shows. It just it, that's not how it works. Um, but right. but I but we're we're going to get there, don't you think, David? At some point there'll be a sudden a, a sudden shock to science. I think it's going to be when we get good communications from people we used to think were dead, and um, Albert Einstein is going to say to them. What are you people thinking? Effectively he'll say that, but he might say it in German. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Absolutely. I I think um yeah, a lot of people do think that with um changing technology, artificial intelligence, we it is going to be a big change for us, but one of the things it's also going to do is show us exactly what humanity is and what the computers can't do. Yes. Um and um and I think that, yeah, that's, also, that's a potential and we just have to make sure that stays that way. We don't let the computers take over but we uh, also search for what it is to be human um, along the way with you know, how, how our ability to get computer programs to act like they're human.
2: Yeah, this is, this is an exciting, you and I could talk for days, I think, David, Um, we're going to take another quick break. And then we're going to come back and talk some more with David Burfoot, who is the author of Finding the Elephant. You've got to read this book. We'll be right back.
5: Earth is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of PathHome Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge, online, affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes.
1: to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365.
7: Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time?
5: Once a magical thing has been scientifically proven, is it no longer magic? Or is magic simply the science of tomorrow? Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, on The Science of Magic, a syndicated radio program dedicated to combining the science and magic of today's dynamic and controversial topics to co-create new solutions. By triangulating information from today's leading experts from the scientific and magical fields, we uncover expansive and evolutionary truths you won't find anywhere else. Join us daily on the Exone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview the share the thoughts with the amazing guests from both science and magic. The resulting knowledge is unprecedented. As a gift to you, the listener, past episodes can be accessed on our website, free of charge at scienceofmagic.net.
2: Welcome back once again to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I've been having a lovely time today talking with David Burfoot, and I hope you're getting some of this and coming to understand just how exciting it is when we finally put it all together and it all makes sense. Now understand we're using very limited subsets of our conscious minds to do this and therefore we're going to learn a lot more once we get to where we're going but the more you learn about what's really going on and how it all supports the truth that our minds are eternal by definition you cannot you cannot die it's not possible once you really get that it does change everything in your entire life so my my guest today is david burfoot and he may have a few thoughts he wants to share with us before we begin to wrap this up. So what do you, what, what do you want people to take away from this conversation, David?
3: Well, there's a, there's a few things. One is that to understand that, I guess, that everybody has a different perspective on life. We all have our different experiences. And we've all got something to contribute to our communal understanding of reality. So this has happened throughout our history, Um, people who are not considered experts, all of a sudden, discover something that changes the world. Whether it's someone like Einstein, who wasn't a a lecturer or didn't work for universities, that at the time he had his amazing discoveries, to Darwin, who wasn't even in the universities himself, but also people, you know, who everyday people like you and me, who do some strange things. Like um, what's his name? There's a fellow who invented sticky tape. His name was Andrew uh, Richard Jew. I mean, that's probably one of the most amazingly <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> useful things in the world. I think that's probably the best invention of all time. And yes. um, he just—he he was a high school dropout. He was someone I just like you and me, he just had an idea. And I think that part of the way in which we um, try to make sure... We, I think one of the antidotes to these over-specializations, if you like, for people who just seeing the world in one way is for everybody to get up and say, hey, um, I've got this idea, I, I've got a different way of looking at the world, and, and get involved in the conversation. Uh, it's, it's changed the world. Um, people like that have changed the world, and I think they're going to have to do so again.
2: You know, it's, it's be- I think that's a very important point. And people who are listening right now, can make major contributions. I think we tend to think uh, all the contributions have been made or, uh, you know, you have to have gotten a great deal of education. Neither of those things is true. As you point out, sometimes the simplest and most straightforward insights come from people who haven't uh, done a lot of education, maybe who just have been thinking and reading and trying to understand. That's part of what I love about this field. More and more, we're going to find that the big breakthroughs are coming in areas which are not dry science per se but instead have an element of spirituality in them and that has to be the case right david because it's in essence we are spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience and so well, naturally at the bottom it's it's spiritual what were you going to say
3: well exactly right i mean you know some people are surprised to hear that the greatest physicist of all time so isaac newton um, considered himself more a theologian than a scientist. He <laughs> wrote more on spirituality than he did on science.
7: Oh, no, you so, love
3: it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's they, they, a the typical example. And and the same is true of a, lot of a lot of the innovators, whether it's Einstein, Wallace, Darwin, Mendel, Durkheim, Planck, Galileo, they were all spir- as much spiritual people as yes. material people. Um, Absolutely. And, in fact, In fact, you need probably uh, the dual perspectives in order to understand the world that we live in and come up with innovative ideas.
2: Yeah, I I think that people, I I know that some scientists are insisting that Einstein was an atheist. He was quite the reverse. He didn't believe in the simplistic religious God, but he believed in the overarching intelligence. Not only believed, he'd experienced it. And uh, that's, that's where we're going, where he actually was during his lifetime is where we're going now in terms of spirituality, much more sophisticated and grown up and much, much more wonderful. So, but Let, let's talk about how people could reach you, what your website is, what's next for you.
3: So um, the website is findingtheelephant, all one word, .net. So net, And you can go on there and you can um, get see a, a, a little bit of a video um, that brings the key ideas together and find out where to get the book if you need to and some other commentary from different scientists about the work that's in the book. Um, but and you can also contact me through that website if if people if people want to. That I'm always happy to hear people's points of view and and discuss you know the various parts of the science with them. Um, yeah, so you, the invitation's open.
2: So David, it's finding the elephant, right? With the with the ing yeah, and the finding end the of elephant. It. All one word: findingtheelephant.net. dot net. Finding the elephant dot net. Um, and as I say, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. I've told a lot of people who have asked me questions, why don't you just read this book? Because then you'll be able to generate your own answers. This is an area where, because there really are no experts, we are all learning. We're just at different stages of our understanding. Everybody can, can make sense independently of what's going on. And we can all make our own contributions, which is very exciting. Um, what do you, Are you doing another book or what's next for you?
3: Uh, I'm just taking a bit of a break. I'm um, I'm thinking about the next book. It's going to be <laughs> it's, it's going to be a bit of a a bit of a, a different angle again um, to to our understanding, but it's going to involve the afterlife. I think definitely because that seems to be an area that we're going to find out a lot more about in in the years to come as a, as a society. Um, so um, I'm still working on it, but um, my family are kind of my family are kind of uh, a bit apprehensive about me getting involved in music <laughs> right now, and I can understand yes. it.
2: Yes, yeah, that, that's part of the problem that we all have who are working in this field. We we have families, and you have young children, right? Your children are growing up yeah. now? Two, two yeah,
3: two children, yeah, one's, yeah 11 Yeah, 12. Yeah,
2: that, that's the age when we're an embarrassment anyway, and you don't want to be any more of an embarrassment than that. That's but, true. It has been wonderful having you here. I'm going to ask you to come back again just so we can talk about yet more of what's going on in this wonderful book. And meanwhile, I just recommend everyone, if you're interested in trying to really understand what's going on, Finding the Elephant. Go to findingtheelephant.net. Contact David. He's happy to hear from you. And just help yourself to understand what's going on, because that not only is that going to make you very much happier, but it totally cancels fear. And then you can be the expert in your circle on what's really, really going on. So thank you so much, David. We'll talk to you soon. Meanwhile, everyone, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm thrilled that you could be with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really understand what that means, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. Next week, we're going to be talking with Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. Um, He's going to come in to talk about some of what he has been learning in the field of consciousness and awareness and all of those things. He's actually, pretty extraordinary. He's a a, a criminal attorney who is uh, descended from very, very excellent mediums. And he himself is a terrific evidential medium. But he's interested in in the intellectual aspects of what's going on a lot more than many are. He's going to be presenting at the Afterlife Research and Education Symposium, which is September 15 to 17, 2017, in Scottsdale. And if you're listening to this in a future year, don't go darn it. It's probably gone by because there's probably another one coming up for you. Just go to afterlifestudies.org and you'll see what we're up to now. But um, meanwhile, I really, really recommend that you just join us next week and, and and learn a little bit more about what Mark Anthony is going to be talking about at the Simbo symposium. And this week, for the second time, we've been enjoying conversing with David Burfoot. His book is Fighting the Elephant, and it rocked my world. And as I went through it again for today, it rocked it a second time. Like you and me, he has been seeking reality. And like us, he's known instinctively that there had to be materialist science and spiritual studies coexisting because they're both in the same place talking about the same stuff. But he has done extensive research, much more than I really had the patience to do, and he gives it to you in very simple ways so you really get it, and so it does astonish you and open you and make you very, very much more aware of what's going on and make you want to learn more. Physics, biology, parapsychology, spirituality, consciousness, afterlife studies, everything comes together and is part of one gigantic area of study. Finding the Elephant is a groundbreaking book. I really hope that if you're interested in this area at all, Finding the Elephant is going to be where you begin. As you know, my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, and The Fun of Living Together. And I have novels too, but I'm mainly, right now we're concentrating on the nonfiction. You can order these books through bookstores or on Amazon, and they're available as audiobooks, all of them, and in 34 languages worldwide. If you want to talk about any of my books or if you have a question or if you just want to Talk about anything at all. Don't hesitate to try to to reach me. All you have to do is go to robertagrimes.com, go to the contact block, send me an email. Make sure you give me your own email address back correctly because I will answer. You used to be able to say, if you don't hear in 24 hours, send flowers. Sometimes it takes me three or four days, but I do answer every message. If you haven't heard from me and you did send me a message, send it again because probably I got your email address wrong. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, on iTunes through the Seek Reality app, which is available for free in the iTunes store, and on Dream Vision 7 Radio. If you ever want to know where I am, just go to my website and click on the radio tab. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful eternal being and you are infinitely loved.